For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Jake and I are back. We got a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot. I started off with a lot. We got a handful of Brewer games to talk about this week. Only five compared to what, seven we had last week and like eight the week before. Uh, Only seven games. Wow. Off to a great start. Five games this (laughs) week. Sheesh. We're going to have seven next week. Maybe that's why I keep getting the number seven stuck in my head. So five games this week is what we have for the Brewers, and then we have our Badgers uh, in Washington State recap, as well as previewing the game against Georgia Southern. So we're going to start with the Brewers, but before we jump into our power pairs and underrated performers, I just want to give a couple updates because they have just come in, so I just want to throw these couple updates out before we start talking about um, power pairs. So mm-hmm. the first one is Christian Yelich is going through another pregame of running and hitting and is making progress. Craig Council said that he is not ruled out for an at-bat off the bench tonight at this point. Nice. So, Christian Yelich, basically, if this were the playoffs, he'd be playing. Love it. Um, and then the other one is... Oh, we've got two more. Got another one. Uh, Brewers on base percentage machine. Mark Canna had an MRA on his wrist today that showed no structural damage. He got a cortisone shot, which he has had in the past. And we'll have to let that work for a few days before he picks up a bat again Friday. Mm. So we're basically two days away for Mark Canna, so he'll get a couple days off. Yelich is close. And then the other bit of news that we have for tonight's game is Colin Ray will follow Trevor McGill. So the Adam McAlvey is saying this, that the idea of having an opener is to have your quote-unquote starter face the top of the opposing order one fewer time. So this is actually, and I saw I saw a lot of complaints about this. I'm not going to lie. Uh, people being like, why aren't you just using your starter? You're using a high leverage reliever to face, you know, the beginning of a not high leverage situation. So, and Adam McCalvey just perfectly alluded to it. So a guy like Colin Ray or say an Adrian Hauser or a Wade Miley, you use an opener against them. And then let's say, let's say the four batters come to the plate in the first inning and Trevor McGill gets those four batters out. Then you can have Colin Ray potentially pitch into the sixth or even the seventh inning. True. So also, I would like to say some just real, real small. You cannot win a game in the first inning, but you can lose a game in the first inning. Just like in football, you can't win a game in the first quarter. You can lose a game in the first quarter. Example: Look at the look at the Giants and Cowboys game from Sunday night. That game was over in like five minutes. Yeah. So Trevor McGill, 
he was in consideration to be my underrated performer. So I do. I'm just going to touch on Trevor McGill since he's getting a start tonight. Um, over the last week, he pitched the seventh inning of a three-run game and the eighth inning of a three-run game. So what would technically be save situations if it was the ninth? But those two innings pitched, mm-hmm. no hits, no walks, had two strikeouts. Now over his last ten games, Trevor McGill has brought his ERA from 4.82 down to 3.38. He's been really good since he came back up. Yeah, like the last like two weeks, he's been basically, I would say, one of the better relievers in the bullpen for the last two weeks. I'd agree. And he's been getting a little more high leverage work, so I think that's why people are freaking out that he's not pitching in a high leverage situation, but it's still a good a good way to use him. So, yep. <clears throat> Jake, give me your pitcher first. Because we have a little bit of something going on with our power position players, but uh, give me your pitcher first. All right. So my pit, my power pitcher is none other than Corbin Burns. Uh, we will get into the game, and yes, it was yes. a shitty loss, but um, eight innings pitched, zero hits, and two walks. <laughs> I mean, what what else do you need to hear other than those numbers? Um, he had a zero ERA and a zero point two five WHIP. That is ridiculous. All right. So mine is Brandon Woodruff. We were at the game on Monday. Uh, just a master class, Brandon Woodruff, complete game shutout uh, versus a team that is vying for the playoffs. So don't get it twisted because the Marlins aren't currently a playoff team. They are not far behind. Now, getting into our power position players, we we did a little something different. We couldn't decide who each were going to take one. We're like, how can we leave guys out? So we decided to not leave guys out. So Jake mm-hmm. has four guys that he's going to touch on. I have yep. three guys that I'm going to touch on because the five games that we're going to talk about today, the Brewers scored eight, nine, three, 12, three. It's pretty damn good when you average it out. <laughs> that's seven runs a game. That's 35 runs in five games. Yeah, that's, that's pretty damn good. And their opponents scored nine. So the Brewers outscored their opponents 35 to nine in the last week. Our average runs per game is almost higher than the total runs we gave up. That's wild. <laughs> um, so I'll just start at, at the top when I started running. Couldn't make it to five guys. Ah, funny guy over there, Taylor. Um, so I picked Mark Canna. This guy has just been hitting the hell out of the baseball lately. Seven for 20, four runs, one home run, which we saw. Three RBIs, one of which we saw live, and three walks. Uh, that's a 350 average, a 458 on base percentage, a 500 slug, and a 958 OPS. And he's free if you forgot. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I said I was a fun guy. So Tyrone Taylor is my next guy. Seven for 21, four runs. One double, one home run, four RBIs, only three strikeouts for Tyrone Taylor. That guy used to have three strikeout games consistently. Yeah, that's fair. And one stolen base. That's a 333 average, a 333 on base percentage, a 524 slug, and an 857 OPS for Tyrone Taylor. He has been a madman for a good month now, I would say. These are my last two guys. I got Sal Frelick. We were trying to get Sal. We, to get yeah, we tried. <laughs> he was a stone cold killer on the field and in the dugout. 
He's seven for 26, three runs, one RBI, three base on balls, and he is still the most feared person, in my opinion, at the plate with the bases loaded because the ball is going in play, as Tyler would say. That's a 269 average, a 345 on base percentage, a 269 slug percentage, and a 614 OPS. I saw a different team do that. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, there's Mike. What up, Mike? So my last one is Andrew Monasterio, seven for 22, three runs, three doubles, six RBIs, and four walks. The guy has been getting on base. And he's playing multiple positions. He could be in the all-righty lineup, play third base, play second base. He is very useful. That's a 318 average, a 407 on base percentage, a 455 slug, and a 862 OPS. All of these guys are balling, and we still got three more. Sheesh. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go. The next one that I have, I have Bryce Terang. Over the last week, he was five for 17. That's a 294 batting average. I also drew two walks, which gives him a 368 on base percentage. Is very solid work by Bryce Terang. Next to that, William Contreras just had a 20 game on base streak ended last night. Uh, over the last week, seven for 22. That's a 318 batting average. Also, two more walks. Now, this guy. This guy was going to be on somebody's list. We knew it. Uh, we saw it happen in person. Willie Adamas. Mm-hmm. Willie Adamas was 6 for 19 over the last week. That's a 316 batting average. Also added three walks, which gave him a 409 on base percentage. And all six of his hits were extra base hits. <laughs> the guy hits the ball hard. So that gave him an 842 slugging percentage. Jesus. Couple that with his on-base percentage. Over the last week, Willie Adamas has a 1.251 OPS. That's just dumb. That's absurd. All of that is dumb. (laughs) Major league average is like between 7, 8. If you're really good, it's above 8. And Willie's just over here putting up weeks at 1250. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> All right, Jake, give me your underrated performer. So I picked him for a couple of reasons. One, he's good. So he pitched in four games. He got one win, had one hold. He pitched three and two-thirds innings, had four walks, seven Ks, zero earned runs, and he has a 1.09 whip. His name is Abner Uribe. The other reason is I love when people are nice to kids. We are at the game on Monday. He was one of the players that responded to the kid in front of us and gave him his autograph. So I know that's going to be a memory for that kid that he's always going to remember. I got to witness it, so that was pretty cool. But Abner, Abner Uribe, shout out to you. Awesome. So my guy just came onto my list last night. I originally was going to use Trevor McGill, but I switched so we could talk about Trevor McGill starting tonight, and I went with Josh Donaldson. We made a post that Josh Donaldson was getting the call up on Monday and people are like, oh, he's got a 190 batting average. He'll fit right in. Can we can we just just collectively just take the time to just admit that the people in the Brewers front office just might know what they're doing? Just maybe. I mean, we could we could stretch that to all all sports, really, <clears throat> if you really wanted to. I mean, look at look at the Packers situation, right? I mean, we moved on. Uh, from Aaron Rodgers, and you know, not that we wanted him to get hurt because we absolutely do not 
play with that stuff, no. by the yeah, way. Not at all. Um, that is that is a no no on our page. Yeah, if you're gonna laugh about that. See you later. We that, we don't yeah, care. That's a that's a bad hammer. Yeah. Goodbye. Um, but we moved on and we went on to a Jordan Love, and this guy is looking fantastic. I mean, all preseason people were hyping him up all over the all over the radio, all over podcasts. Uh, really, really smart football people. And then you know you go to the Bucks, you know, and they draft a Giannis, and they're building teams around him. And you go to Wisconsin, and you know we're gonna get into the loss that happened, but. You know, then you, you you get back into the Brewers, and it's like, yeah, these guys know what they're doing for sure. I feel like the Brewers, Bucks, Badgers, Packers are all in good hands. Yeah, Taylor said they they have that job for a reason, which is is exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, Maybe <laughs> Craig Council is in the same the same like group of category of this guy knows what they're doing. Um, yeah. There was a site that posted. If every one-run game the teams played in was flipped, what the playoff situation would look like? The Brewers go from first to third in the NL Central. The Padres go from fourth to second in the NL West, which is hilarious to me. But we just just admit that people know what they're doing. So yeah. Josh Donaldson gets called up, and people are like, oh, he's batting like one for seventeen in AAA, three for seventeen, whatever he was, and he's yeah. talked about it in the in the dugout. That it was basically just a shaking off the rust. He had felt like he's been good to go, um, like working out alone for like the last three weeks, but he couldn't come off the injured list, so he couldn't be working with it. Um, so he was ready to go, just needed that some game reps, which he got in AAA, shook off the rust. And now in two games, this is just two games, Josh Donaldson is three for six and has drawn three walks. He hit a home run. He has two RBI. He scored two runs. He has a 500 batting average and a 667 on base percentage in the last two days. You know, there's something to be said for small markets, right? Uh, everybody always thinks that everybody wants to go to a big market team. And obviously Josh Donaldson was in the biggest market that you can be in in America. Mm. And he was in New York and he was a Yankee, right? Like that's a that's a massive target on your back. Guy who was a former MVP, uh, playoff performer. I mean, this guy was good when he was at the top of his game. Really so good. for him to regress and, you know, have to deal with the New York media, that's that's tough to come back from. So then you come to a place like Milwaukee, smaller market, people that really just love their teams. And I stick up for Wisconsin, obviously, because I'm part of Wisco Fanatics. And I love Wisconsin sports, too. But I feel like, you know, for all the times that we we pick on people for, you know, not giving the best opinions on sports, I, I can almost guarantee that all the people that cheer for our teams love their teams. So they're going to love him. They're going to support him uh, mostly. I, I'm only speaking for about 80% of the people here, but I think this is a perfect place for him to revitalize his career mm-hmm. on a team that's really, really close-knit. So that's a great choice by you to pick Josh Donaldson, give him some spotlight. But, yeah, I'm really hoping that he can turn it around. Obviously, be good for us, right? Yeah, and we posted it when we called him up that he had a 672 672- um slugging percentage against left-handed pitching monday the brewers were starting against a left-handed pitcher so why not give that guy a shot and he got on base a few times so exactly uh mike being a super nice guy i've seen the other side of this guy so i'll, I'll take that comment. <laughs> <laughs> um taylor said i think that's why he struggled of the yankees with the amount of stress and pressure here he can just play ball and that's it he just he talked about just coming in, trying to give some juice as a team that's on a playoff push, and that's what he's done. So 
We're going to go to the Yankees series. We're going to start with game one. Uh, we're going to talk through the three Yankees games on the first two games of the Marlins series. So, Jake, what's it up to you from game one against the Yankees? Well, another big inning, right? But I'm going to let you cover all the ins and outs when we do the breakdown. I'm really just the, the cover the stats, and then we, we both add our little inputs when you do the breakdown, right? So Colin Ray started this one, and Colin Ray is going to pitch again tonight. So mm-hmm. we're going to see more Colin Ray, or as my father-in-law calls him, Jimmy Johnson, because everybody who wears 48 is Jimmy Johnson. So it's just how it works in my household. Colin Ray pitched four and two-thirds, gave up three hits, two earned runs, two walks, and six Ks. So, I mean, honestly, could have been a lot worse. I'll take that's, that from a Colin Ray. Yeah, that's fine. I'll take Every that. Every single time. Give, yeah. give me four and two-thirds. Uh, Abner Uribe in this one, one and a third, zero hits, zero earned runs, two walks, one K. Jake's uh, <laughs> here just to look pretty. Yep, that's uh, that's what I try my best to do. <laughs> that's why I matched the hat with the shirt today, so I could look as pretty as possible. Oh, I know what that means. Hey, settle down, settle down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Trevor McGill gave us an inning of zero hit, zero earned run, zero walk, and a K. So, I mean, he's, again, been lights out lately. The unsung hero of this team has been Bryce Wilson. The guy just eats innings. This one, he only had to pitch one inning, zero hit, zero earned runs, one walk. So, I mean, uh, we got the debut of Vieira in this one. One inning, zero hit, zero earned runs, zero walks, one K. So, you get past Colin Ray, we no hit the Yankees which was a theme, apparently, in this uh, three-game series. Uh, we also gave up three walks, and we had three Ks and four and a third when you got past Colin Ray. So that is fantastic stuff. Santana, Adamas, Monasterio, Contreras, all at RBIs in this one. Monasterio, Santana had two. Adamas had three, a home run. Adamas also had a, had a double, his 20th of the season. Monasterio, his 12th. The Brewers were 7 of 20 with runners in scoring position. They had 20 goddamn at-bats with runners in scoring position. It's a 350 batting average for those who don't have a calculator within hands reach. What the hell? (laughs) So the thing with this, and and we'll touch on this when we get to the third game, is the Yankees have a good bullpen. They do. So we'll we'll touch on it a little bit as the games go, but I'm just going to start by saying that. Don't they have the so, best in baseball? They do have the best in baseball. Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. Context is important. So just put that in your pocket for, for a couple minutes. So the bottom of the first inning, the Yankees get a leadoff walk and then <clears throat> um, challenge a foul ball for Aaron Judge. And the call stands, and the Yankees have no challenges for the rest of the game. Uh, I don't think it really came close. Like, you know, I didn't really think there was any plays where they really would have you know, challenge something and made a big impact. But mm-hmm. just the, the fact that they did that, I mean, you're compromising eight innings of baseball where you could really need a play overturned for a foul ball in the first inning. Right. Just because he wanted to stick up for his star. Yeah. Um, Aaron Judge did still draw a walk on a very close ninth pitch of the inning. Uh, Colin Ray follows by getting a four-pitch strikeout, another four-pitch strikeout, and a flyout to end the inning. Mm-hmm. So good work by Colin Ray. Top of the second, Willie Adamas had a one-out hit by pitch. Uh, he got the third, gets to third on Severino making a play to first first base. Tried to pick him off. Uh, the throw went wide. Willie Adamas got all the way to third base. Uh, Mark Canna drew a two-out walk, and those two were stranded. <clears throat> Bottom of the second inning, Colin Ray goes strikeout, double, 
And then Sal Freelich in his first game at Yankee Stadium makes a catch running into the wall. Runner gets the third on the play, and then another flyout. So Ray ends the inning with no runs. Uh, going to the bottom of the third, uh, Aaron Judge hits a leadoff single. Uh, the rookie, Dominguez, follows the two-run home run. That dude's going to be a stud. Yes, he is. Um, he's going to be really good. And he's going to be insufferable because of the New York media. Yeah. Hopefully he's actually like a likable person and we can just have that and he can be he can be yeah. what he is. Agreed. Um so that made the game two to nothing. Yankees top of the fourth. Um Carlos Santana let off with a single. Willie Adamas with a one out home run tie game to right field of all places. The shortest right field in history. <laughs> and it's and Willie isn't a big opposite field hitter. No, he's not. So for Willie to do that and hit an opposite field home run, uh, that's that's tough. That's good stuff for Willie. Uh, that made the game two to two. Uh, bottom of the fourth was Colin Ray's first one, two, three inning and added two more strikeouts. So bottom of the fifth inning, Colin Ray gets the first two outs and he was done at 85 pitches. And then we got to see Abner Uribe versus Aaron Judge. Power you know what power. happened at that at bat? I don't know. Tell me. Abner Uribe struck out Aaron Judge the first time he ever faced him. Yep, yes he did. That's some BD energy right there by Abner Uribe. <laughs> um, bottom of the six, Abner Uribe did come back out. Got a walk, a fly out, a stolen base, another walk, a fly out, and then a ground out to strand two base runners. So Abner Uribe, a little bit of traffic, but no runs. Top of the seventh. This is where the Brewers kind of broke this one open a little bit. Mm-hmm. Abner Uribe let off with a double, got to third base on a Christian Yelich ground out, and then William Contreras singled him in. That made the game three to two. Uh, William Contreras stole second base. Does not happen very often, but it uh, does. Got a... He's been doing it a lot more the last couple of weeks. He, he just kind of takes some chances. Like he got a huge jump on this stolen base that he had in this game. Yeah. Um, and then a bad throw, uh, Christian, or sorry, not Christian. Carlos Santana had a single and then a bad throw home. William Contreras scored on that. Made the game 4-2. to two. Carlos Santana got to second on the throw. Um, and then to third base on a South Freelick ground out. And then Willie Adamas ripped a hustle double that blooped on the right field line. That made the game 5-2. to two. Bottom of the seventh, Trevor McGill comes in in a three-run game. Gets a strikeout. Andre Monasterio makes a nuts play on a bunt attempt to finish a 1-2-3 inning on only 12 pitches for Trevor McGill. <sighs> um, top of the eighth, Mark Canna leads off with a single. Joey Weimer comes in to run for him, just getting Joey Weimer some playing time. Uh, he gets balked to second base. Bryce Terang, another guy you didn't mention because he didn't have any RBI or anything in this game, but kind of an underrated performer. Bryce Terang was 3-5 for five in this game. Uh, gets, to, yeah, gets the third base on Bryce Terang's single. Um, so the Bruce have first and third, nobody out. Bryce Terang steals second, his 20th stolen base of the season. Pretty solid. So for yeah, for a guy who was sent down to triple A for three weeks for him to come back and still have 20 or 20 stolen bases on the season. Um, Andre Menesterio laced a double off the left center wall that made the game seven to two. Uh Willie Contreras had a single that got Andre Monasterio to third. Carlos Santana another single that made the game eight to two. And then bottom of the eighth, Bryce Wilson came in, gave a leadoff walk. Santana made a diving stop, turned a single into a fielder's choice, and then a ground out and a fly out, 
ended a 15-pitch eighth inning for Bryce Wilson. And then the bottom of the ninth, yeah, the bottom of the ninth, you mentioned Tiago Vieira, his first time in Major League Baseball since 2019. Wow. Um, So he gets a ground out, fly out, and a strikeout, ends the game on a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, another 12-pitch inning. Love to hear it. So coming into this game, the Yankees, this made them have a – this was now 12 coming in. So Yankees 12 straight games with a home run. That streak's going to end. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, this was the 19th straight game on base for Mark Canna. Uh, Colin Ray. Colin Ray did a very good job working the top of the strike zone. Wanted to give him credit for that. And then at one point, the Brewers had gotten five straight leadoff batters on base. And you and I talked about this on Monday. Is that people cried about the Brewers adding guys who get on base. Right. But the fact of the matter is there's only four bases. So, you know, this this fascination with high RBI guys, it you can't drive in runners if there's nobody on base. I agree. What's up, um, Isaac? How you doing, buddy? So the fact is that having guys on base, it increases your chances of scoring. It increases your chances of winning. <clears throat> yep. All right. Let's start out to you from the second game against the Yankees. Um, everybody wanted to get an RBI in this one. That's what stood out to me. <laughs> so, and everybody wanted to pitch as well. So it's going to be a lot of names going to spit out here. So bear with me. <laughs> so Wade Miley started this game. Uh, Brewers ended up winning this one nine to two, by the way. Uh, Wade Miley started this one three and two thirds, one hit, one earned run, three walks and three Ks. So, eh, after that. Elvis Pagrero comes in, one and a third, has a walk, two strikeouts, no hits, no earned runs. Bryce Wilson, zeros across the board in his innings pitch. So that's back-to-back days for Bryce Wilson with terrific outings. Piamps comes in, gives up one hit, one K in his inning. Trevor McGill, back-to-back days for him, one inning, one K. And Hopi Milner, one inning, two hits, two Ks, did his thing. Um Obviously, you I, you heard that they scored two, and obviously one of them was unearned because only one pitcher had an earned run, and it was one earned run from Wade Miley. So in this one, who all decided to get home runs? Oh, by the way, the Brewers swing for the fences. They only had one home run in this game, and it was Tyrone Taylor, his mm-hmm. sixth of the season. Canna had an RBI, his 49th. Tyrone Taylor, his home run, got him to 21 RBIs. Victor Caratini, I said it correctly that time, oh, got boy. him back. 22 RBIs for him after his two RBIs. Willie Adamas up to 72. So he's starting to inch up there towards numbers that we expected from him, even with the bad average all year long. And he just went on a couple tears and he's up there. And very time on the injured list. Yeah. Um, Monasterio also up to 22 RBIs. And William Contreras got two RBIs uh, in this one. So. The Brewers scored nine runs in this game, so the offense was buzzing for back-to-back days. Series win for them, so got to love it. Yeah, Isaac said I look like a sideline coach for the Badgers. I will gladly accept that and take that as a compliment. So thank you, Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> I just look so, like a guy. Yeah. <laughs> you look like a dude wearing baby blue. Let's do it. So top of the first, Christian Yelich was scratched from this game, so Sal Freelich was put into the leadoff spot. Drew a walk to lead off the game, so good for him. 
Going back to the or going up to the top of the third inning, Sal had a two out single that broke up eight straight retired batters by the Yankees. Nice. Uh, top of the fourth inning, Mark Canna gets down 0-2 in the count and then rips a single on a one-two count, extends uh, his hit and on base streak. William Contreras followed by hitting one off the right field wall that bounced past John Carlos Stanton. Which, if you watched the game, they talked about it. He's got a bad hamstring. They're basically just playing him for his bat. Mm. Um. So William Adamas, after he hits that one off the right field wall, gets a triple and then gets to have a little league home run on the throw to third base. Uh, so William Adamas probably needed some oxygen after that play, but that made the game two to zero. Bottom of the fourth, uh, one out, four pitch walk, um, and then Andre Monasterio tried to play a short hop on a ground ball, and it bounced off his glove. Just a rare, a very rare defensive mistake for Andre Monasterio. Um, that turned that into a single that made the game two to one. Uh, no, Isaac, surprisingly, Aaron Boone did not get ejected in any of these games. Very surprising. I was, I was waiting for it in the third game. Cause I was like, man, we went two straight games. I'm getting ejected. All right. <laughs> um, so after that, a ground ball was hit to William Damas and a wet ball forced a not great throw to second base. That was called safe. That made the game two to two. Wade Miley was done after that. And Elvis Figueroa came in. Now, this is a situation where the Brewers, and this is going to come up again when we talk about the third game, the Brewers had to use a lot of relievers in this game because of the rain delay. Mm-hmm. You know, there you can you can do all the back in my day all you want. Today's game, like they don't like pitch complete games all the time, and you know they're careful with how they use guys. So Wade Miley, being 36 years old, was not going to go pitch six innings after being ready to start at 1 o'clock, and the game didn't actually start till 3.30. Back in your day, how many guys threw 100? Because it's a lot more now. So Wade Miley only ended up pitching the three and two-thirds, three and two, or sorry, three and a third. I think it was three and a third, not three and two-thirds. Innings, so a short appearance for Wade Miley because of the rain delay. That's that's important because we're going to discuss tomorrow, or not tomorrow. Tomorrow from this game. Game three. I knew what I was getting at. <laughs> trying, to, trying to set the trying to set the picture for myself, I guess. Um, <laughs> bottom of the fifth, Elvis Guerrero came back out, uh, went one, two, walk, three, had two Ks in the inning. Uh, bottom of the sixth, Bryce Wilson came in, got a one, two, three. Bottom of the seventh, Yoel Piams came in, got a one, two, single, three. Um, <laughs> Shelly said, you guys are awesome. Was there a sexy play on Monday? We're going to get to it. We're, we're, we're still on Saturday. Yeah, so. we're, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. <laughs> so top of the eighth, Tyrone Taylor pulls a leadoff home run that makes the game 3-2. to two. Um, Sal Freelich just putting the ball in play, follows with an infield single. William Contreras hits an opposite field single. Uh, Carlos Santana did pop into the shallow outfield, but that one fell for a single. That loaded the bases. Mm-hmm. And then Mark Hanna, uh, another just pop flare, made the game 4-2. to two. Willie Damas hit into a fielder's choice. The Yankees throw home to get the out there. And then Victor Caratini with a one-out sack fly made the game 5-2. to two. Mm-hmm. Bottom of the eighth, Trevor McGill coming in again in a 5-2 three-run game. Uh, gets a first pitch swinging. Carlos Santana goes and makes a catch over the dugout. So having a good defensive first baseman has paid dividends for the Brewers. Um, second pitch gets a flyout, and then the third, fourth, and fifth pitches become a strikeout. Trevor McGill gets a one, two, three inning on five pitches. 
pretty good. I'll take that all day. Uh, top of the ninth, Bryce Terang let off of the walk. Tyrone Taylor hit a flare single. And then they ran a double steal, and both runners were safe without a throw. So the Brewers got second and third with nobody out. Uh, Sal Freelich drawing a walk, loads the bases, still with no outs. And then William Contreras hits a single up the middle, makes the game 7-2. to two. Canna gets hit on the helmet with a hit by a pitch, loads the bases again. Victor Caratini draws a walk, makes the game 8-2. to Andre Monasterio draws a walk, makes the game 9-2. to two. That is three consecutive runs driven in without a hit. Jesus. So getting on base literally <laughs> produced runs. Let's look at the comments. Shelly would weed all, all the time. Yes. This is why we wanted him up. Yeah. Mamma Mia. <laughs> the spaghetti. <laughs> you have to. It just feels right. <laughs> um, bottom of the ninth inning, Hobie Miller came in, got a strikeout, gave up two singles, and then another strikeout and a flyout. Uh, Miley's three strikeouts that he had, um, two of them were looking. So this game, the Brewers had 11 hits, six walks, and one hit by pitch. That's 18 base runners. A goddamn. That's that's a lot. Um, that's a lot. The the Brewers record they showed this stat during the game. I didn't update it, but they showed it during this game when the Brewers get a driven in run by Willie Adamas. They are 31 and eight. Now. You said you don't like this stat. Is there is there a reason why? And then I'll tell you why I do like it. I don't want to say my reason because now I know your reason and it made me feel dumb. But <laughs> I will say that you could tell the offense is so much better when he hits, right? But when he doesn't hit, it seems like we, we lose, right? And then I said that to you, and then you said some smart guy stuff, and I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So why don't you just give your reason? So and... my thing with the Brewers being 31-8 and eight in games that Willie Adamas drives in runs, it to me it says a lot of things about the guys batting before him. So Willie Adamas being in the 4-5 hole, it, to me it says that the guys batting 1-4 through four are getting on base a lot so that Willie Adamas has the opportunity to drive in runs. Yeah, so for the people doing math at home at that point in the season, they're 31 and 8 when he gets one plus RBIs. When Adamas gets zero RBIs, they're 40 and 49. That's just like why why does that happen? Why is that such a thing? Yeah, don't love that. Yeah, but that to me that just says that the Brewers do well when they're the top of the order guys are getting on base. That's really what puts them in the best position to win. Yep. Which, not to say that the guys at the bottom of the order don't matter, because we have had games where guys at the bottom of the order, the Andre Monasterio and Bryce Terang and Joey Weimer and Victor Caratini, we've had plenty of games where those guys have made major contributions that became reasons we won. So I, I do want to make that point. Um, so the bullpen in this game, five and two-thirds, scoreless innings, only three hits, one walk, six strikeouts. It's it's become so normal that I, I just expect the bullpen to just dominate everybody, right? So when we give up a home run in the eighth, it's like, oh, well, I don't like that feeling. But once every month, all right, I can handle it. <laughs> um, so this also popped up during the game. The Brewers are second in Major League Baseball in three-run innings since August 1st. They have 29. 17 of those 29 have come without home runs nope we swing for the fences I just, that's the next thing i have written in my notes is i want people to stop saying when the brewers lose the brewers need to stop swinging for the fences 
They're swinging for contact. The Brewers scored nine runs in this game. Only one of them came off of home runs, and it was Tyrone Taylor's solo shot. Mm-hmm. The day before, they scored two runs out of eight off of home runs. Yep. The 12 runs that they scored on Monday's game, which we're going to get to, mm-hmm. 11 of them manufactured runs. Yeah, we were there. Yeah. The only, the only home run the Brewers had was literally the first batter. Yep. Then they proceeded to score 11 more runs without hitting home runs. The They need to stop swinging for the fences bullshit. needs to stop. Isaac said our goal should be to go down the Brewers slide. I would love to. Don't, don't put that in my head. That would be, oh, God, would that be a day. We, <laughs> My goal is to next summer to be able to get to be one of the Brewers' social media ambassadors, and then we would get to go down the slide. That would be disgusting. I would so also like to fail goal. at doing the Lambo leap. That would also be cool. Oh, it would be horrible. It would be good. it would be tremendous, but it'd be horrible. <laughs> so yeah, I brought up Wayne Miley giving a short start after the after the rain delay. Um Mark Canna's hit streak went to eight, his on base streak to twenty. Uh, the last two weeks, Mark Canna four ninety on base percentage, number one in baseball. And then the last thing. 13 of the 17 runs scored in these two games were scored in the seventh inning or later. And I brought up that the Yankees had the number one bullpen in Major League Baseball, and the Brewers put on 13 runs on them in two days. All right. So ups and downs. Let's talk about game three. What's it up to you from game three? Uh, A lot of things. Yeah, this was a a fun baseball game to watch. It Uh, really was. Start of NFL Sunday, so... I'm watching NFL football and paying attention to the Brewer game. I'm like, what am I? What's going on here? My, I'm getting broken neck here watching both things. But Corbin Burns was freaking awesome in this yeah, game. Was. Plain and simple. Uh, like I said earlier, he was my power pitcher. So eight innings pitch, zero hits. He knew he no hit them through eight innings, no earned runs, obviously. Uh, two walks and seven strikeouts. I didn't say the strikeouts before on purpose because I wanted to add it in here. Um, So seven Ks through eight innings, he was dealing, and the Brewers were also facing a very good pitcher, you know, for a little Mm -hmm. bit of context. Uh, Garrett Cole's pretty good, if you forgot. He's Um, better than pretty good. He's I'd be 90% sure he's going to win the AL Cy Young this year. Yeah, he's going to be like his 11th fucking Cy Young award. Yeah, he's just a fucking monster. Pirates could have had him, could have kept him. They could have. Thank thank God they didn't. That's great for us. Whatever. I don't want to face him. Pirates got a crazy roster. Imagine if they had they got a lot of young talent. Yeah. So imagine and a Garrett for some Cole. Some fucking reason roster. they traded for Chris Archer in twenty eighteen, which was dumb, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, Devin Williams comes in in the ninth and he pitches an inning, no hit. Um, we're gonna get to some crazy stuff that happened. Uh Abner Uribe comes in, uh, also keeps a no hitter intact, had one walk and two K's. And we got to the extra innings, and it was like, how long can we do this? Because this was a 0-0 game going into extra innings. And Joel Piams gave up the first hit of the game, had two walks, a K, um, ended up giving up a run, and that went an unearned run. Um, Shafin comes in, and everybody in Wisconsin collectively went, oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, gives up a home run immediately after the Brewers scratched two across, and we couldn't get one across for 
10, nine innings. And it was like, why is this happening to me right now? <laughs> I'll tell you uh, why. I'll tell you why. No, nah, I, I know you will. Uh, Hopi Milner only pitched a third of an inning. Uh, ended up giving up the winning run. But, you know, 13-inning battle when we already won the series in New York. Uh, we came back home. Obviously, we got some context, some 2020 context here. But, uh, yeah, we ended up winning that series. We're doing some home cooking again. Uh, in this one, Tyrone Taylor, Monasterio, and Weimer all at RBIs. Uh, 22 for Taylor, uh, 23 for Monasterio, and 41 for Weimer. Uh, Terang and Weimer also had doubles, nine doubles for Terang and 18 doubles for Weimer at this point. But tremendous outing by Corbin Burns. Let's just say that. Yeah, and I'm going to pick this up in the ninth inning because we know Corbin Burns was great. And yep. I've, I've heard the, oh, my God, we're all we waste Corbin Burns starts. Do you not think that other teams line up their best starter against our best starter so they have the best chance to win? Nobody's looking at their scheduling being like, oh, shit, we faced Corbin Burns that day. Let's put our number five starter against him. We'll just lose that one on purpose. Yeah, like not a single team in Major League Baseball is doing that. Teams want to line their best starters up against each other's best starters. Yep. Isaac, I'm going to come back to your comment when we're done talking about this game. <laughs> I've I kept receipts. Oh. So I want to pick this game up in the bottom of the ninth inning. So you brought up Devin Williams getting a one, two, three. Now his third out that he recorded was striking yes. out Aaron Judge. Did you notice that after strike two, he was smiling? I saw that. Devin Williams. Oh my God. He got the second strike and he's just smiling. It's just like, oh my God. Devin he Williams. He knew he had him. That's why. Nuts. He knew he had him. It was over at that point. That's just like, if I was a Yankees fan and I saw that, I'd be like, fuck. <laughs> I'm sure there was millions doing that. It's like like Devin Williams giving a smirk with two strikes to Aaron Judge of all people. Like this isn't a dude who's batting 190 with two home runs on the year. This is Aaron Judge, like literal reigning MVP. And right. Devin Williams was like, yeah, I'm about to get this dude. <laughs> <laughs> so that was awesome. Now going to the bottom of the 10th, Abney Rebay got a strikeout looking. A walk, a lucky strikeout looking. I will admit the second strikeout that Abney Rebe got was a lucky call. But Angel Hernandez, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, and then Sal Freelich makes probably what's going to be the catch of the year, uh, like his 18th highlight reel already of the Bro. season. Freaking guy just flies everywhere. What the hell? He's small, but he will catch everything. He is, dude, like, I've made this comparison before, but, like, in basketball when they say a guy plays bigger than he is, Sal Frillick 100% plays bigger than he is. That's a, that's a great way to look at that. He does not play 5'10". That guy feels 6'7", like Aaron Judge. Yeah. He, okay, so Sal Frelick. <clears throat> you have Sal Frelick, you have Joey Weimer, you have Garrett Mitchell, and you have Jackson Churio. You basically have four guys that could all give you elite center field defense. That's fucking nuts. We get to have them all in the same outfield. I know. Shelly, there's an emoji for this. There's an Italian hand emoji. It's a real thing. It is. It is. It's my favorite one. I replied to it to a tweet that Sal Freelich was tagged in yesterday because I want to get Sal Freelich doing this. Dude. In a, we... in a Brewers jersey. They, they did that as their team celebration for Team Italy, but 
I'm telling you, I need the Brewers to do that so bad, bro. <laughs> I know. I want it. I need I it so bad, it. dude. Vinny Rotino's on board, too. I said Vinny Rotino. I'm like, what do you think for the Brewers' next hit celebration to be the Italian hands? Bro, see? I'm telling you, bro. That would be so <laughs> fire. Oh, I would, I would freak out, dude. <laughs> so, the top of the 11th, Tyrone Taylor's single made the game 1-0. to zero. Piams was looking to give the Brewers their first 11th inning. No, or actually, really just the first 11 inning no hitter ever in the history of baseball. Uh, sure, Ground right. got the runner to third, and a double ended the no hitter and tied the game. Um, this was following this. Um, Piams got a strikeout, and then a walk brings up Aaron Judge. Now, third base was open, so they intentionally walked Aaron Judge to load the bases, and then Piams got a fielder's choice to end the 11th. So just some good baseball managing there. Now, top of the 12th, Joey Weimer hits an RBI double to start the third or start the uh, start the 12th inning. Gets the third on a Willie Damas flyout, and then Andre Monasterio sack fly makes the game three to one. And then we get to the bottom of the 12th, and they bring in Andrew Chafin. So we just mentioned the day before all the relievers they had to use because of the rain delay. Yep. So now the only two guys left in the bullpen mainly that haven't pitched <clears throat> in the day before are Tiago Rivera and Andrew Chafin. Yep. So you're not in a great place of guys you can use. So Craig Council didn't really have a choice and you used Andrew Chafin who gave up a home run to Giancarlo Stanton. So again, this isn't a guy batting 190 who has two home runs on the year. This is fucking Giancarlo Stanton. Dude, the guys had two names. He hit home runs with both names. So, I mean, leave it he's, what it is. He's literally – they literally put him in an outfield with a bad leg just to have his bat in a lineup. He That's is, how good of a hitter he is. He's a good hitter, dude. Uh, so, that tied the game at three. Chafin followed up by going strikeout, strikeout, flyout. And then we know um, that the, the Yankees won in the 13th inning off of Hobie Milner, who was a pitcher – that Craig Council did not want to use in this game. Yeah. Um, he didn't want to use Trevor McGill, Elvis Paguero, guys that had pitched like three of the last four days. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm being completely honest with you, I would rather lose a game in 13 innings than to have any one of the, the A bullpen guys get hurt. Agreed. Um, the consolation prize being two out of three games won on the road in New York. <laughs> What's up, Tim? Uh, <laughs> Yankees are so desperate. The Yankees, they're they might as well be mathematically eliminated. They're one game over five hundred. Yeah. Um, but the I mean, really what it comes down to is this is a tough game to lose, but it still only counts as one loss. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so I just want to throw this out there. Corbin Burns against Aaron Judge, a strikeout and two ground outs. So Brewers, they handle Aaron Judge pretty well for the series as a whole. I didn't take down his whole series numbers, but over the course of the series, they kept Aaron Judge in check. Very nice. All right, so Monday's game, the game we were at, this was amazing to watch. Now, Jake usually kicks it to me to do the the breakdowns. I did this one a little bit differently because I wanted to keep all of Brandon Woodruff's stuff together. So I did this one by Marlins batting and Brewers. So I did this one a little bit different. So we'll see how this goes doing the breakdown a little bit different. So Jake, 
what stood out to you from Monday's game? First of all, I want to give another shout out to Mike from Wisco Collect. Thank you so much, dude. Honestly, that was that was incredible, dude. Walking down there, like I was like, am I going to the right seat? Like, am I supposed to be down here? I've never been this close. Is somebody gonna come stop me? Like, <laughs> it was it was fantastic. Uh, it was great to meet Shelly as well. So, um, Brandon Woodruff was an absolute boss in this game. Uh, nine innings pitch, six hits, one walk. Zero earned runs, the the shutout, then complete game shutout, obviously, mm-hmm. and seven Ks. Uh, we were watching the we. It got to like what the the sixth inning, seventh inning, and we were like starting to watch the pitch count, like pretty close. Like, is he gonna go the whole way? And uh, uh, God damn it, he did, and it was it was needed, big yes, time. It was. Um, we mentioned all the guys. Tyler's went went over a couple times now, but all the people using the bullpen absolutely necessary for the brewers in in a stretch where they're playing 17 straight games i believe yep. um this was absolutely a big time start by uh, brandon woodruff that will you know push us into later into the season in a good spot so um nine innings pitch man incredible i cannot believe i just watched a complete game shut out that close that was crazy um let's get into the run score because we have 12 of them uh, uh, we're up, almost up. We're up by two touchdowns, technically, if you think about it, without the extra sure. points. Without the extra so, points. Yeah. Uh, football season. I'll give you a football uh, stat here. Up by two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, RBIs in this game started out by uh, Mark Canna, leadoff homer, 50th RBI, 10th home run. Josh Donaldson got on the board, first RBI as a Brewer. So we saw that live. That's sick. Tyrone Taylor, two RBIs. The guy had a three hit game. The guy's balling. Lately, yeah, two RBIs for him. He's up to 24. Willie Adamas, I don't know what to say about this guy, dude. When he hits the ball, he's getting at least a double. That's he's just how stunned. I feel. Told you, he had six extra base hits this week. Six yeah, hits, he, all extra bases. He's a monster. Four RBIs for him, up to 76 RBIs now. Monasterio, up to 24. Joey Weimer got on the board when the catcher was pitching, but I don't care. Still counts as an RBI. He's up to 42. And Sal Frillick got his 20th RBI. Doubles in this game. Tyrone Taylor with 10. Willie Adamas with two of them. He's up to 22 now. Joey Weimer's up to 19. Willie Adamas also had his second triple of the season. I'm out of breath. That was a lot of lot of talking. <laughs> that was a stat for you when we're done. We got lots of stats. Oh, boy, we got lots of stats. <laughs> so the first thing I want to do is give Craig Council credit for getting a bunch of righties in this lineup against a left-handed pitcher. So left-handed pitcher coming, he moves Andre Monasterio to second base and then brings Josh Donaldson into play third base. So tons of righties. Carlos Santana's a switch hitter. But then mm-hmm. everybody else, the only lefty in the lineup was Sal Freelich. It's okay. He's good. He's he's real good. Um, so Mark Canna, actually, on the home run that he hit, he got down 0-2. He did. And then it's a, he hit a solo leadoff home run on a 2-2 count. A uh, pair of walks followed, but neither of them scored. Um, second inning, Andre Monasterio let off with a single. South Freelich had a one-out single. Andre Monasterio got picked off at second base, and then Weimer struck out. That inning was a little tough. Uh, that inning looked like a bunch of rookies playing baseball, and it kind of showed. It is what it is. Having the benefit of hindsight, we know that it works out okay. She found it. Got <laughs> a girl. She's going to be using that all the time now. People going to be like, what are you doing? Just like the lady that was in the row in front of us, she's like, "What is this?" And I'm like, "It's it's the Italian hand." 
she said left-handed people are the best. I love my grandma and I love my stepson. So I my mom. Yeah, my mom's left-handed, but doesn't make it less weird. <laughs> I agree. They can be the best and weird at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> third inning, William Contreras had a one-all walk. Carlos Santana followed with a single off the third baseman's glove that allowed William Contreras to get to third base. Uh, Willie Adamas had a one-hop off the wall double, 107 miles an hour off the bat for Willie Adamas on that double. So that made the game 2-0, to zero, still had the second and third with nobody out. Uh, Josh Donaldson followed with a single that made the game 3-0. to zero. Andre Monasterio drew a walk. Uh, so the bases were loaded for Tyron Taylor. Tyron Taylor singles. Made the game four to zero, and then Sal Freelich, um, the Fielder's Choice, broke six straight runners reaching base. Uh, bottom of the fourth, the Brewers went one, two, three, and then bottom of the fifth, Willie Adamas led off with another double. Good hustle by him and a good slide to get his foot in ahead of the tag. And then Tyrone Taylor with two outs hits a first pitch double, makes the game five to zero. Also good hustle by Tyrone Taylor for a great dive into second base. Now following this, Sal Freelich pulls a single. And Tyrone Taylor dives into home plate. I want to put this to you. I think Tyrone Taylor might be the best, like, base slider on the team. You're not going to hear an argument from me. The guy is good at it. I will say, in the running, for in my opinion, are two guys that come to mind. One, Yelich. The guy's just long. Yeah. And two, Sal Frelick, because I believe he's just fucking good at everything. So I think that's I think those are fair guys to bring up. The reason I want to say this with Tyrone Taylor is because we've seen it a handful of times in the last week. He is so savvy at diving to the outside of the bag to the opposite place of where the tag is coming. I agree. So he's he's done it at home plate twice over the last like week and a half because we have the picture of William Contreras and the umpire both doing the safe. That's Tyrone Taylor diving basically a body width outside the baseline, but diving with just his hand to tap on the plate or to tap on second base, which is what happened on his double. Yeah, we talked about how crazy good that slide was. That slide was amazing. So, yeah, so I just wanted to give Tyron Taylor some credit for that, for two great dives um, basically in the same span of plays. Uh, South really got the second on the throw, made the game 6-0. to zero. Uh, On the sixth inning, Mark Canna had a leadoff infield single. William Contreras had an opposite field single. And then Carlos Santana drew a, a walk to load the bases for Willie Adamas. And he pulls a sexy triple into the left field corner. That made the game 9-0. to zero, And it's just like, damn, the Brewers are just uncorking the offense. It was so nice to just relax. Oh. Remember when? Remember the first half of the season when we were bitching about that? Like, man, can we just have a game where we relax? Not every game has to be One game where we don't to- have to stress. One game yeah. where Devin Williams comes in in a one-inning game or one-run game and he doesn't give up two walks and a single to load the bases before a strike and three straight like, guys out. I'm sick and tired of going into cardiac arrest after every Brewers game. <laughs> and then they'll just have one, like, just once a week. It's just like every Monday the Brewers would win, like, 14-1. to one, And then it's like, all right, here we go. Now we're going to run the rest of the games this week, 3-2. <laughs> yeah. And now they're kind of they're kicking some people's asses kind of consistently now, to be honest it's, with you. Yeah. For, for the offense, for guys like Tyrone Taylor, Bryce Terang, Andre Monasterio, for them to get hot at the right time, is it's huge. It is. And I said this to you the other day. I don't think anybody wants to face the Brewers with an offense. Absolutely not. Uh, I already know that the Brewers have great pitching, but to face the Brewers 
with an offense, that's scary. Yeah. Um, so seventh inning, William Contreras. Oh no, sorry, sixth inning, sixth inning, sixth inning, sorry. Uh Josh Donaldson drew a walk. That was his second time on base in his first game as a brewer. Andre Monastero hit an opposite field single. That made the game 10 to 0. He was the sixth straight man on base. So twice in this game, the Brewers got six straight people on base. Just just throwing it out there. Said it a bunch of times. Getting on base increases your chances of scoring and increases your chances of winning. Eventually, there's you're going to run out of bases to put people. You are. So Tyrone Taylor had a fielder's choice after that. And then Jesse, not Jesse, uh, Joey Weimer reached on an error, made the game 11 to 0. Um, <clears throat> seventh inning, William Contreras had a leadoff infield single. Uh, Brian Anderson got a little bit of burn in this game. He had a fielder's choice. Uh, Rowdy Telez came in, gave a good at bat, but the Marlins got a lucky low strike call to end the inning with a strikeout for Rowdy Telez, basically a, a mercy strikeout. Um, and then you mentioned the, the catcher coming in to pitch the eighth inning. Tyrone Taylor had a single, and Joey Weimer had a double. Um, Joey Weimer getting that double made it so that every starter in the lineup had a hit. Love it. Wow. Let's talk about Brandon Woodruff. So top of the first gives up two two out singles and then gives up a strike or gets a strikeout to end it with runners at second and third. Second inning, I don't blame the Marlins for trying to put a bunt down at Josh Donaldson because he's 37 years old. Um, so Marlins tried to get a bunt single in the second inning. Um, Donaldson threw him out and they reviewed it. Um, the Marlins challenged the play. He was still out. Um, another two out single. So I tracked it. The Marlins had six hits in this game. Four of them came with two outs. So, you mean, you really talk about limiting chances to score, um, four out of six hits with two outs. I mean, if you're going to give up six hits, Brandon Woodruff picked, I guess I would say the right time to do it. True that. Uh, third inning, one pitch, one out, two pitches equals the second out. And then four-pitch strikeout to end the inning at seven pitches in the third inning. That's pretty fourth damn inning, good. <laughs> fourth inning. Oh, just wait. Fourth inning, he had a one, two, three, only eight pitches. Fifth inning, one, two, three, only seven pitches. So Brandon Woodruff threw 22 pitches in the third, fourth, and fifth innings put together. That is how you get through nine innings. That's how you pitch a complete game. Um, a leadoff single in the sixth inning broke 10 straight batters retired by Woodruff. That was followed by a walk and then a strikeout. And then Woodruff got Jazz Chisholm to fly out. And then Joey Weimer, uh, on this fly out, snags the ball away from Tyrone Taylor, makes a rocket throw into Willie Adonis, who throws to Andrew Monasterio, who runs and tags out Josh Bell on a bad base running mistake. And yeah. this to me is where I felt like, all right, Brandon Woodruff is going to be able to go to a complete game. Because getting this double play on a on a mistake by the Marlins, that was really where like Brandon Woodruff didn't have to deal with a lot of traffic despite having two guys on base. So being able to get out of that inning was huge. Uh, another 1-2-3 inning in the seventh, only 13 pitches that inning. Um, the eighth inning was another 1-2-3 a three-pitch strikeout, a ground out on the first pitch, and then a four-pitch pop-out. So another another eight-pitch inning in the eighth inning. Then the ninth inning, it got a little sweaty. Like, all right, maybe Woodruff might not get to finish this one. They had Tiago Vieira up in the bullpen. But a fly-out, a broken bat single that sent a bunch of shrapnel at Brandon Woodruff, but none of it got him. And then a fly-out. Yeah, thank God. 
And another single with two strikes. Just come on, man. Why you got to be that guy? Just just strike out so we can end the game. Nope. Yeah, it's right. a two strike double or a single, uh, Dick. But uh, next pitch, Brandon Woodruff gets a pop out to end the game. So the pitch, the pitches by inning uh, through the first eight, 15, 12, 7, 8, 7, 22. That sixth inning was a little, little rough. 13, 8, and then the ninth inning, Brandon Woodruff was able to finish the game. Now, Brandon Woodruff threw 106 pitches. The Brewers are now 9 and 2 in his last 11 starts. That's a good set. Uh, 26 out of 33 batters that he faced were first pitch strikes. That's also a good one. It was the first complete game shutout by a Brewer since September 4th, 2021. Adrian Hauser against the Cardinals. I remember watching that game. Um, Brandon Woodruff, now 21 straight scoreless innings. Damn. And (laughs) Josh Bell facing Brandon Woodruff is now 3 for 28 with a walk against Brandon Woodruff. He does not like Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff owns Josh Bell. Yes, yes he does. That is his property. Um, You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And then you, we kind of touched on this a little bit. The fourth game of 17 straight for Brendan Woodruff to be able to pitch four innings and essentially make this an off day for the rest of the pitching staff is huge. 
especially when you factor in how much usage they had the two previous days. So I got two things I had real quick, except for got, and I'm so sorry. The triple by Adamas, sexy. That was a sexy play, very sexy play. And <clears throat> since being swept in L.A. at Dodger Stadium, the mm. Milwaukee Brewers are 15-6, and six, pitching a 3.14 pie for all you math nerds, ERA, mm, nice. first, <laughs> first in Major League Baseball, and they're hitting – they're averaging 6.05 runs per game. That is fifth in Major League Baseball. You <laughs> appreciate it. You're welcome. I didn't forget a second time. <laughs> All right. What's up to you from last night's game? We got one game left on the Brewers. Uh, what's up to you from last night? What stood up to me from last night was that Freddie Peralta decided Atta to boy. go. I, I almost did it, dude. I literally, almost, I I looked at his name and I almost I almost went Willie, but I was like the Freddie Peralta went six and a third innings pitch, two hits, one earned run, and nine Ks. Those nine Ks inspired a great meme by my boy right there. Uh, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Uh, so so good. Uh, Hobie Milner also pitched last night, inning and a third, zero hits, zero earned runs. You're welcome. I'm a man of the people. Uh, zero walks and one K. Abner Uribe gave us a third of an inning, one walk, one K. And Devin Williams pitched in this one, locked her down, got another save. Uh, Josh Donaldson absolutely demolished a freaking baseball last night. What was that, 436, 434? 426. 426. I knew it was a six. 426. Monasterio got on the RBI train. Contreras got on the RBI train, which got him off 69, which is sad, but Aww. necessary. Now he can finish with 100. <laughs> yep, now he can finish with 100. So, uh, yeah, the Brewers won this one 3-1, to one, a good old-fashioned 3-1 uh, to one Brewers game. Hopefully they get another win tonight, win this series. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm focused on. Let's just keep winning series, keep stacking yep. these Ws, get that magic number down, win this division, and laugh at Cubs fans. <laughs> um. Don't worry, Shelly. We'll have we'll have more 69s. I'm I'm positive of it. I'm I told you they find us. They find us <laughs> at this point. I think we manifest 69s in, <laughs> we in have our statistics. <laughs> so for the Marlins batting, uh Luis Arias got ahead 2-0 on Freddie oh, Peralta, pulled off pulled a leadoff home run. And council joked about Willie or about Freddie. God, you motherfucker, you made me do it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Craig Council joked about it that Freddie Peralta needed to give up a home run, a solo home run, because he's done that a few times in his last couple starts. And he does that and then he just locks shit down. Yeah. Um, Andre Monasterio, this is Josh Bell running, but still for Andre Monasterio to be facing a left handed batter running towards third base and then make a jump throw back to first base, it's still a nice play by Andre Monasterio. And then following that, a three-pitch strikeout and a groundout ended the first inning. Second inning for the Marlins, uh, one-two single three inning with two strikeouts. Um, now, following this, so this is the third through the sixth inning. So this is just what Freddie Peralta did. A strikeout, two-three, strikeout, second out, strikeout, and then a one-strikeout three inning in the, in the fifth, and then a strikeout, second out, strikeout in the sixth inning. Freddie Peralta retired 13 straight batters, and nine of them were strikeouts. 
Jesus. <laughs> Freddie Peralta gets the first out of the seventh, done at 95 pitches with six and a third inning, nine strikeouts, one earned run, zero walks, and only two hits. Now, Jake brought up that this inspired the Freddie K uh, graphic, which is on the Wisco Fanatics Facebook page. You can see that there. Um, did the did the, the Freddie Peralta in a Freddy Krueger sweater made him Freddie K because he's racking up all the strikeouts. Freddie Peralta is now the eighth pitcher in Brewers franchise history to reach 200 strikeouts in a season. And I wrote them all down because I want to see how many Jake can get. Oh, oh eight pitchers. Eight pitchers in Brewers franchise history have 200 strikeouts in a season. Corbin Burns. That's one. Done it uh, twice. Ben Sheets. That's another one. Giovanni Gallardo. He's done it four times. Jesus. Yeah. Giovanni, every time a... I hear Giovanni, real quick, every time I hear Giovanni Gallardo stat, I'm just like, damn, he was really good for us. Dude, dude is a baller. Holy shit. I didn't appreciate him enough. I always hate yeah. when, I, when I hear this shit. When I was younger, I didn't appreciate these players enough, man. Yeah. Um. Oh boy. Did Brandon Woodruff do it? He had to. Have. He did it once. He had to have. So I got half. Yep. It's gonna be some random ass. I'm. I'll. I'll tell you that Freddie Peralta is one of the eight. So you need oh, three okay. more to get. Fair. So three left. <laughs> I just want to say his name to get his name in the universe out here. Chris Capuano. It's not Chris Capuano. I know. I appreciate the guess, and there is a guy from his era on here, oh. but there is one like '80s great, one guy you should know, and then a guy who played in the Chris Capuano era. Oh God! Now my head's going everywhere, bro. My head's going everywhere. Why'd you do that? My head's going everywhere now. Oh boy, one I should know. You should know one of them. One I should know. Dude is arguably one of the greatest active pitchers that's played oh god well it's not cc because he didn't play here long enough to get to you're him. on the right track though is he from that team uh not in that season but similar stature similar stature similar oh. not the same but similar so he's a fat guy no not not physical stature Oh, like greatness stature. Like career greatness. Yep. I'm drawing a blank now. Just t- just tell me. Or number 13. Oh, my God. Really? Is that Granky? That Granky is one of them. Why did I not get that? I'm a oh, dude, you should have gotten him. I'm a POS for that. I am a POS for that. Um, You could have just told me that he's like a savage. And I would have been like, yeah, Zach Granky. Because Zach Granky is a savage. An 80s great? I'm never going to get that. I don't know anything from the 80s. because yeah, Teddy Higuera, he did it twice. Teddy Higuera did it twice. Oh, okay. And then there's Let's a guy from the Chris Capuano era, maybe a little bit after. Just tell me. Just tell me. Doug Davis. Oh, my God. I could have guessed that one. And I should have got Zach you Greg, but I you did you. I would have never got the 80s, dude. I would have never got the 80s. I don't go back that far into my portfolio. All right. So that was an old people dig, just so you know. Yeah, attaboy. Uh Holy Donut came in right after Freddie Peralta in the seventh. Uh struck out Jazz Chisholm on three pitches, which was nice. Um Milner came back out for the eighth. Um, uh, a nice catch by Sal Freelich. Uh kind of a diving, sliding kind of catch. Um, so Milner got the first two outs of the eighth. 
And then Abner Uribe came in, gave up a walk, which ended 18 straight batters retired and then a looking strikeout to end the eighth. Devin Williams came in to face the top of the order, got a 1-2-3 inning with a strikeout for the ninth. Now, the Brewers part of this, uh, Sal Freelich got down 0-2, worked back to 2-2, hit a leadoff infield single, was wiped out by a double play by William Contreras. But second inning, four straight walks gets the Brewers a run in. So just another example of eventually there's not going to be anybody or any place to put base runners. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Jake read the, the entire history of the Milwaukee Brewers when we're done. <laughs> I can just go <laughs> to my dad. He'll tell me. Um, so four straight walks tie the game at one. Uh, the third inning, Joey Weimer came in for Mark Canna. Mark Canna left the game with wrist soreness. We started the show by saying Mark Canna is getting a cortisone shot, and he will be back uh, probably around Friday. Fourth inning, Josh Donaldson's solo home run made the game 2-1. to one. That was 426 feet. Uh, seventh inning, Andre Monasterio, a leadoff double off the top of the wall where it slants out to left center field. If he hits that three feet to the left, it's a home run. But uh, just just a little bit of that slant in the, the center field area for the Brewers. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyrone Taylor followed an infield single kind of at the third baseman. Uh, so the Brewers at first and third with nobody out. Sal Freelich... Struck out looking at a pitch that was in the zone. Now, we saw this on Monday that Sal Freelich struck out swinging on a pitch that was um, moving away from him. Ended up being way out of the zone, and we were kind of like, Sal. Like, we knew he swung at a pitch that he didn't, you know, want to swing at. Um, So I think that kind of affected him in this spot because it was another pitch that was tailing away from him. So I kind of felt like he kind of had that at bat from the day before on the back of his memory. And that's why he took that pitch and struck out looking. So just want to throw that out there with self really doesn't strike. He'll learn. He'll learn. Um, And then William Contreras had a sack fly that made the game three to one. So his on base streak did end, but he still drew over run in. And then um, the eighth inning, Joey Weimer had a leadoff hit by pitch. Josh Donaldson got a single who was thrown out at second, but um, we'll be here. You can also watch on Friday. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, hey, we're thinking the same thing, my boy. Let's go. (laughs) We've been doing this for a while, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) So Freddie Peralta finished. Yeah, I didn't even say finish. He had 14 swing and misses before the fourth inning. Yeah. He was just his and his secondary pitch that he was using was the slider. His changeup wasn't as sharp last night, so he was using the slider as his change of pace pitch. And I brought up the first pitch strikes with Brandon Woodruff. The first pitch strikes for Freddie Peralta, 18 out of 21. And we did say last week we wanted a four in one week, and we got it. The Brewers are a season high, 18 games over 500. Appreciate it, Shelly. Uh, and Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, the last three days, 23 and a third innings, eight hits, three walks, 23 strikeouts, and a .39 ERA. Jesus. You do not want to face the Brewers in a five-game series. No, you don't. Because we're throwing those three at you, and good fucking luck. Oh, my God. These three are on another level right now. If the Brewers, if the Brewers average four runs per game in a five-run series, five-game series, they're winning that series easy. Yeah, they're definitely winning that series. 
All righty. So the Brewers coming up, they have two more games against the Marlins starting with tonight. They have mm-hmm. three against Washington, and then they have two uh, between now and next Wednesday. Next Wednesday's game is also a, a night game, so we're only going to have two from that. But seven games over the next week. What are you looking at for a Brewers record prediction? Well, I'm looking to get one of the two against the Marlins. Probably drop one of them. Just being realistic about it. Uh, looking Thanks, to get some revenge against the, the Nationals. And win the first two games against the, all of a sudden playing really good Cardinals. This, uh, this feels like a situation, they say it all the time uh, in football, right? Where guys at the end of the season that are on bad teams, they're – they don't have anything to lose, so they're just leaving it all on the field. They're all playing for position. Calling so, some prospects. Yeah, the Brewer, uh, the Cardinals are just calling everybody and everybody up, and they're just they're just young dudes that are just playing yeah. baseball, right? No pressure. Yeah. So they're a pretty dangerous team right now. We have a lot of games against them to end the season. So I'll say we'll take two of them. So I'm going to say six and one. So I'm going to say I'm really looking, like like you said, for just winning series. So the Brewers have – their magic number is 14. So the Brewers have, what, I want to say 17 games left, something like that? Yeah. 19, 17 or 19? Um, the Brewers could go 11 – it is 17 because the Brewers could go 11 and 6 – no, 18 games. The Brewers could go 9 and 9. The Cubs could go 11 and 5, and the Brewers would still win the NL Central. Damn. So that's what I was looking at. That's the magic number. And Isaac, see, that just that just proves my point, man. Uh, these teams that have nothing to lose, they're just they're yeah. just out there playing ball. They have. Isaac no brought up the Athletics. Uh, the A's beat the Astros last night. I saw that. Well, the Astros crazy. must be terrible because they lost the game to the Athletics. And the Ro- and the Rockies ended up holding on last they night. Did. They the beat Cubs. the Cubs last night. The night before, they had them on the ropes. Uh, on, on Monday, they had them on the ropes. But yeah, last night they got a big win for us. So hopefully, they can take another yeah. one. So Isaac brought this up a little bit before, and I kept the receipts, and I published them on our page. Uh, this was four days ago. Um, so today is now day 13 of uh, Cubs not being in first place, Decide, you know, despite saying they would be by September 1st. Uh, so today is day 13 of that uh, being a lie. Um, again, I kept the receipts from Cubs and Brewers fans saying that, dude, the Cubs will be in first place soon. This team will be in third place by the weekend. All that shit. It's and you know the the main people that are are Brewers fans uh, that are saying this stuff is like three people and like I just have to think that they ride around on their bikes with their gigantic helmets on, drooling from their mouths, uh, thinking of the next dumb shit to say. Just like and like you said. Just waiting for the Brewers to lose so they can be like, see, told you. Yeah, it's why that you gain nothing from that, but whatever. I, I think it's a, I think it's a really desperate attempt at an I told you so mm-hmm. because people want to seem smarter than those around them. So they just will cling to the negativity, uh, wait for a loss to be like, see, they lost one game out of five this week to be like, oh, told you so. Like, mm. Dude, they took no hitter through 10 innings. Right. And they lost against the Cy Young winner and best bullpen in baseball. Oh, no. Season's over. Forgot it ended in June, though. Yep. Never forget, dude. Ellie De La Cruz stole home. Our season's over. Uh, Never forget. I'll never forget that, dude. (laughs) Ah, Recency bias is undefeated and annoys me. 
You know what time it is, boy. It is. It is. It is football time. So we are gonna bring in Mike, like we do. He's ready to go. Come on, Mikey boy. What's going on, What's going on my guy? All I, right. per- I worked up at the sixty-nine Sorry. comments again. <laughs> That's what he was doing on his phone while he's waiting in the back room to get going. Oh, he's Jesus. just like, I gotta find a sixty-nine statistic in here somewhere. I need, I need a sixty-nine reference. <laughs> oh God. That's gonna start. Being you can't put me on a spot like that. Though. No way. Leave it to the professionals. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. So we're gonna start with our power pair and underrated performer. Last week we did it with three each, and it seemed to be kind of a lot of guys to go through. So this yeah. week we broke it up, kind of how we do with our Packers shows, where each one of us is gonna cover one guy. So this week we're gonna do a power pair and an underrated performer. Um. So let's start. I'm going to go first because I'm going to start with the offensive power player uh, player. We decided on Tanner Mordecai. He was 25 of 40. It's a 62.5 completion percentage. He didn't throw any interceptions, which I think is important. And the fact that he had two fumbles, in my opinion, were not his fault. Um, anytime a quarterback gets hit on the blind side and fumbles, that's on the O-line, not on the quarterback. Like, obviously, if a quarterback can hold on to the ball in that situation, that's great work. But... I don't blame Mordecai for losing fumbles for getting hit on his blind side. And the other thing with Tanner Mordecai that I just want to throw out there is I like that he's not afraid to run. Yeah, he's got he's got some yep. sneaky athleticism. Yeah. He's mobile. So, that was yeah. gonna be one of my biggest points to bring up. He actually he got a couple of third downs on his feet yeah. in that game, which I absolutely loved. <laughs> All righty. Mike, uh Mike has our defensive guy. Mike, who is our defensive power pair? Yeah, so, I mean, he's been the most consistent through two games. Uh, I've talked about him a lot on this show. It is Mr. Hunter Wohler. Um, He had 13 total tackles and 10 solo, which is just freaking nuts. Uh, I mean, clearly he's, in my view, he's been the best defensive player on on the team so far this year. Uh, I'd put it to you, he might be the best player on the team so far. Yes, and I totally forgot to look up this stat before I got on here, but as far as total tackles goes, like two weeks in, I'm willing to bet he's got to be up there, you know, like in NCAA ranks as like, you know, the guy at the top of the list. So well, he's got uh, 24, so I mean, that's that's yeah, a lot. Which is insane. So, no, he he's a ball hawk. He's been all over the place with this team. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's, re- it's really, really good to see. He's the, definitely the one guy that just keeps – that has brought it these first two games without missing a beat. So uh had to give him a, a call out this week. All right. So, Jake is our underrated performer. I'm just looking up to see where Hunter Wooler ranks the tackles. Uh, so he's number seven. He's number seven. Number seven. Okay. Um, the the first, okay. So I sh- if we're going by guys who have only played two games, then he'd be third. Oh, there you uh, go. Uh, four of the guys ahead of him have played three games already, and he's only played two. So, out of players that have only played two games so far, he is third. We're gonna have to Pretty track that. Good. Yeah. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, for a guy that came into the this season with 38 total tackles, and now he's third in the country. So, pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, so for underrated performer, we went with big number 90, James Thompson Sr. Me. Mikey, and I believe Tyler, you were asking for pass rush too last week. Um, but we were asking for pass rush. We were looking for somebody up front to win, uh, get some pressure on Ward, 
And James Thompson must have been watching the show. Uh, him and him and Getz were watching the show together in their dorm room. Um, <laughs> five total tackles, three solo, one and a half sacks, and two tackles for loss. He was just creating a ton of havoc in the backfield all day long and winning his his one on ones. Uh, he started to get double teamed a little bit later in the game because he was literally wrecking their game plan. So uh, James Thompson Jr. was very very good. Jake, let me throw this to you. He was basically the Badgers' Devontae Wyatt. He was 100. percent There you go. Um, same Very side of the same side of the line as well. So that's a good call, actually. Alrighty. So I'm gonna let you guys give your offensive takeaways. I will be right back. I gotta run and grab something quick. Okay. So Mikey, you want to start? No, go ahead. I'll, I'll bring okay. up the rear on this one. Uh, offensive breakdown. I don't really have a lot to take away. I feel like the offense took a little bit to get started. It was, it's kind of like an old car, right? You you turn the key and it, it gives you a little bit, turn the key, gives you a little bit. And on the third turn, it finally it starts up, right? And you're like, hell yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. So for me, I mean, 368 total yards is nothing to scoff at. That's, that's a decent day, right? 278 passing, only 90 rushing. We just couldn't get the run game going this week, which I don't care what offense you run in football. You need to run the ball. Plain yes, and do. simple. You can't run the ball, you're not going to be able to pass the ball. And if all you do is run and you can't pass, you're screwed. You need balance. Football is all about balance on the offensive side of the football. So um, 90 rushing yards, only 3.1 yards per attempt. That's that's not going to cut it for a team with talented backs as Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen. We call ourselves running back U. 3.1 yards per carry is an embarrassment, to be honest with you. They averaged 7 point yards per attempt on the pass, which was decent considering that we throw a lot of screen passes, a lot of, you know, like smoke screens, little slants, drags. So that's a decent average. Um, six of 14 on third down is livable. You can win games going six of 14 on third down. Oh, for one on fourth down. Three turnovers. Um, the two sack fumbles, one of them obviously led to a touchdown, which was massive. And the third one, I just plain and simple don't think was a fumble. I'm just going to go out there and say that. Yeah. There was a couple plays that could have went to green. And I think if we hit those plays, you know, we hear it all the time with baseball and basketball and football. These games are games of inches, a couple inches this way, a couple inches that way. He walks into the end zone. This is a different ball game. So I don't think that we're far off. I believe that these are building blocks. I'm not giving up on the season. Like half of our fan base is for some goddamn reason. Thank you. I came Why? up with a caption just, just for this discussion. Yeah. But I don't understand why we're giving up. These are building block games. Now, this game was much was way more important to Washington State than it was Wisconsin. Not saying that it wasn't yeah, important right. to Wisconsin, but this was a statement game for Washington State. Say we yeah. could play with the big boys. We're the big boy in this situation, not yeah. the other way around. It was an away game. For some goddamn reason, we suck playing out west at night. Why? Why? I don't ever want to play out west at night ever again. Although we're going to have happen. to now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're forced yes, we to now. So my wish will not be granted. But the offense overall, I thought it was okay. We just need to run the ball a little bit better, get a little bit more consistent with our intermediate passing. Great call up by Tyler, by the way. Um, but other than that, I have no problems with our offense. I believe that we're, we're almost there. We're getting closer. Okay. So just on this section specifically, the fact that there's so much optimism gone after literally one loss. 
Now, the the two things that I want to bring up is if you spent all of the first half of last season calling for Paul Chris to be gone and for Graham Mertz to be gone, and you got both of those wishes to still be bitching after week two, we got everything we could have wanted. A new coaching staff that's going to blend the tradition with the new. He's a great dude for working on social media to get recruits interested in coming here, to make them excited about being here. Everybody's talking about how fast everything is, and we have guys that we appreciate them being here, like Luke Fickle, and then 12 transfers that followed him here, one being Tucker Ashcraft, who could be on Colorado right now, balling out. True. They, it's a little bit different because they didn't like re-offer him when Dion came in, but he still could have tried to walk on. But to go from like twelve weeks of complaining last season to being excited for ten months of the off season to just basically say fuck it, I don't care that they started one and one. I'm already angry. Is it's ridiculous. For anybody who is going to ever try to tell me that recency bias isn't real, this is the perfect example. 100%. To, to spend 10 months building this ship of optimism and then to jump off of it when a sample size of this big compared to the entire offseason that we had. Like, do you, like, you spend all this time working on this thing just to toss it into the fire. It, I just can't wrap my head around that. And then the fact that the other thing that all the people that are complaining, I shouldn't say all of them, but, you know, you got the old the old clickbait sites that are out there saying, ooh, we should bring back Jim Leonard. Oh, my God. I just about lost it. Jim Leonard oh. is a senior defensive consultant for Illinois who lost to Kansas this week. They didn't just lose. But let, let's be clear. They they absolutely got I didn't their see the ass kicked. Like, it was – that score wasn't like 34-23. That was pretty much 34 to 14, maybe at best. Like it wasn't similar close. to the Bears' last touchdown that they scored against the Packers. There you go. Backups were in. Yes. So to to be ooh, we should have kept Jim Leonard. Like there's nothing and all respect to Jim Leonard because he's an amazing like coach person, but there is not anything that we would be getting right now from Jim Leonard that would put us in a better position than we are with everybody else that we have here. I don't think that's even really a hot take to say. And now so, Illinois has to go play Penn state. <laughs> um, Illinois has fairly similar expectations to Wisconsin and they didn't have an entire coaching staff system and player turnover. So last thing about Illinois, their first game, they beat Toledo by two points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow. I hyped them up a little bit. I was actually liking what they were building in the offseason. I was like, oh, man, they're kind of building something a little nice over there. And then, ah, not great. All right. So, on the subject of – I'll just say on the subject of the offense, um, Dick, you kind of touched on it already. Um, Tanner Mordecai, if he just has just a little bit of touch mm. in the game, it makes this game a lot different. He, I still think he was good in the deep. He was a little bit better in the intermediate throws this week, but still just a couple of them kind of left on the field. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to bring this up because we we want to earn the respect of people who watch our show. For a guy from Washington State to level Will Pauling and then stand above him and do this little sleep motion. Yeah, thing, dude. Yeah. That's man, if I was his coach, I'd be screaming at him. Yeah, fuck that's, you for that. If that's you ever see this. one of the more classless things that I've seen. There's Seriously. a if you make a good play and you trash talk somebody. Like that's that's one thing because you made the play. Like you you deserve it. You made the play. You were yep. the better person in that in that interaction. Yep. But to hurt somebody and then brag about it is completely different. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Yeah. So Washington State did get ranked up to number twenty three this week after beating the Badgers. Uh, basically just taking their place in the rankings. But mm-hmm. is there anything that you guys want to bring up with the Badgers' defense? Mikey didn't go about offense. Oh, all right. my bad, my bad, my bad. Offense. Oh, no, no worries. You know, I starting with a like traveling out west. That was the one of the first things I was going to bring up. You get the Joel Stavi vibes at Arizona State, especially yeah. after that chat, like the safety, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, and then obviously Ches Malusi's first allegedly career fumble, which that. That was worse than the safety, but again, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But um, I, all in all, our offensive line has had better days. Um, obviously, Jack Nelson had a tough night, which I'm pretty sure that dude's going to go to the NFL. That Ron Stone yeah. guy, he he made he's going to the life, NFL. He made Jack Nelson's life a living hell. I don't know if he's ever had a game that poor in his whole Wisconsin career. Um, Washington State has two of those guys. They have two sixth-year senior ad rushers. Okay, so he was a sixth-year. All right. Yeah, Um, two of them. But, you know, I I came away, like, after watching all the highlights and watching this game again, I I am super confident that if we get put in a situation where we might be down two touchdowns or a touchdown, Tanner Mordecai can get us through that. Like, that is one thing that I have – in comparison to, I hate throwing, you know, past quarterbacks under the bus or anything like that, but I just love Tanner Mordecai's poise, especially if we're going to be down in a game. Like, that mm-hmm. third quarter, that was that was all him, man. Like, whether it was on the ground or putting the ball in the air, like, he led us back. He got us into the position to go and win the game, to get it to 22-24. to 24. Um, mm-hmm. He made some big-time throws. Jake mentioned it before. Um, with those two throws, I was two to Bryson Green that were just a tad bit over him. Yeah, those were those were big plays. That I wish we could have back again. Those he had a, a deep pass to Bryson Green that was also wiped out by an illegal man downfield penalty. There you go. Yeah, so yep, exactly. another one that could have been that wasn't. Yeah. I think Bryson Green's very very close to ha- having one of those breakout games as well. Um, I love our receiving core still after this game. Like mm-hmm. the distribution, you look at it. Will Pauling five catches, DK four catches, Bryson Green two catches, but two big ones. Uh, Skylar Bell five catches. I mean, Braylon six for Lemba is what it is. CJ Williams finally got a couple catches too. He got some action. So, yep. um, you know, I like I said, I love our receiving core, and I'm even more convinced that. This is the offense that I know we can. I know we can succeed at this offense. I really think that we are so close, I think, to breaking out. And if we can be as consistent 
in like that playing in like in that third quarter, we're gonna be freaking dangerous, man. Like yeah, I agree with you. we just gotta put it all together. Our rushing offense needs to get their crap together, but in the meantime, like I mean, I don't know why fans would complain about Tanner Mordecai having as our quarterback. We're not gonna get the five stars or anything like that. This dude made big time throws and kept us in this game. Like he was poised. Like I said before, he made plays on his feet through the air. Like, I want this guy on my team. I don't know about you. I think he's he's up there with one of the better quarterbacks in you know, program history in terms of talent and what he can do. I, I personally think so. Um, so that's not you, knocking it on anybody else, but yeah. So you touched on it a little bit already, bringing up the poise. Now we've talked about this with with Jordan Love also, and we've shared quotes from both of them. And they are both guys who, when when shit's going wrong, that's who the rest of the team looks to to get the calm, to be like, all right, we're gonna be okay. It's it, Jordan Love and Tanner Mordecai are very similar in that aspect of having that, like, you know, just being able to bring mm-hmm. center to be like, all right, we're all right. There's no panic. Like it's just it's go time. Like not just not panicking. Um, I think it was last season, Bryant actually brought it up during our Packers shows. Urgency without panic. And that was a fantastic quote by Bryant last year. So it's it's a very similar thing with the Badgers. Um, they had some urgency without panicking. They got the game within two. The game could have been tied, which you know is what it is, and we can talk about it with as we switch to the defense, is the safety call that was not called. And then just basically a few calls that just didn't go the Badgers way, which were the three fumbles, um, the play to CJ Williams, which is still an offensive play, but the play to CJ Williams in the end zone, that was not called a pass interference, even though the guy was chopping down on his arm before the ball was there. And then the offense or the offensive pass interference called against the Badgers, which was uh, not, what I would say not the best call either. So for neither of those plays to go the Badgers way, the fumble to not go the Badgers way. And then for the safety to not be called a safety, which I get that the contact had begun outside the end zone. But when you look at Cam Ward, he was retreating. He was running backwards towards the end zone. That's where it's for me. It's like, that should be a safety because he was retreating on his own. He wasn't being tackled backwards and fell into the end zone and his forward progress stopped him. It's it's just like if a running back reverses his field or a, on a punt return, if a guy reverses his field, he doesn't get forward progress if he's running backwards on his own choice. So no. that to me should have been a safety, but um, Luke Fickle said it. He didn't sugarcoat it. They had chances to win after that. Um, they, there were other plays they could have made, but... Um, Mike flips it out to you with the defense. I mean, from from a not so positive standpoint, I think schematically, I would say we. I think we're still having issues, unfortunately. Um, But you know, we said going into this year, whether that's offense or defense, we might have those schematic issues. I mean, we saw numerous times guys are out of place. I'm when Alexander Smith was all by himself on the one side of the end zone at like the one yard line, I think, and Washington State made a quick pass in the end zone. He was all by himself. So, Jen, um, just like the rotating of guys and everything, just schematically, I thought we would be a, still a little bit better because we are practicing against spread offices consistently in practice now. 
So mm-hmm. I was expecting to be a little, a little bit better with that, but um, you know, with how that defense was performing in the beginning of the game, I was starting to get all oh, crap. We, this is going to be Ohio state all again last year because we just got punched in the face possession after possession after possession. It felt like, and nothing was going right on that side of the ball. Um, I guess we did, we did get a couple sacks. Finally, that was great. Um, yeah, the safety issue that was unfortunate. I have the same conclusion as you Tyler in regards to that as a quarterback, when he drops back like that, I think he gives up his initial position, so to speak. So I thought that was why we should have got that safety, but it's pac 12 refs. So, um, this is what we're dealing with here. Um, I guess the one thing too, like they're not, I, I noticed this as well, as far as the safety room goes. Kamoy, I don't want to call him up, but Kamoy is not getting nearly as many snaps as he as he used to. He only played 13 snaps in this last game, which is 18, I'm sorry. And they played Preston Zachman. They, he, they brought him in for 50 snaps. So there's been a little bit of a rotation at the safety room. So I don't know what's up with that. But other than that, I think two other guys on defense got snaps. It was Petrowski and then... Oh, not the D lineman. And then, oh, yeah, Jordan Turner. But um, not too many rotations overall, but we just got to clean up the schematics, I think. So for me, like, honestly, it's really it boils down to two things. One, Washington State's receivers and tight ends were getting way too much separation. And then two, the tackling still needs to be better. The, the pass rush improved, which we kind of touched on a little bit, but for me, it's still tackling. And it just needs to be stickier coverage. Those are really my two main things. Um, <clears throat> I did like what I saw on the first drive where Ricardo Hallman had a tackle for loss on the first set of downs. And then a third and eight broke up a pass and you could see him animated. I loved seeing that from Ricardo Hallman. That was one of my things that I was looking for was to see Ricardo Hallman show some dog. And I feel like I saw that. So I was encouraged by that. Um, hopefully he continues to build on that and continues showing that attitude a little bit more. Um, other than that, I mean, I don't know. It's the same guys we talked about last week. Uh, Jake Cheney, Hunter Wohler, Jordan Turner, um, James Thompson getting into the mix this week. Rodas Johnson had a decent game. He's getting better. Uh, and I do think the things Mike, you brought up is, is growing pains. And for, for people to expect, everything to be perfect after two weeks of game action because they've been practicing it. It's, it's not how it works. Like you have to give these things time to take, you know, to take root and two weeks is not enough time. And to expect that is it's just wildly unrealistic. Like we, we talked about it. There's a lot of optimism here, but there's also expectations of growing pains. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess um, what I'll say is I'm going to actually kind of, kind of quote scary Alvarez here a little bit. Um, definitely a friend of the show. What he said was this loss changes nothing for the Badgers goals for this season. And he's absolutely right. The Badgers can still win the big 10 West. They can still win a big 10 championship that hasn't affected either of those things because this was an out of conference game. And even if you really want to boil it down to it, Let's say the Badgers go eleven and one. There's not a there's not a zero percent chance that they make the playoff if that's something that you expect of the Badgers to be in conver- in the conversation for. 
if they beat an Ohio State and a Michigan, they're in the fucking playoffs. End of story. Yeah, I don't give a shit who the other three are. <laughs> Not that I'm calling for the Badgers to run the table, but I'm just saying that right. if, if that's something that you expect from them, it's there's a non-zero chance that it could happen at 11 and one, especially if yeah. they win the Big Ten championship. Yep. This would be the year to do it. Bama went down. I mean, Georgia hasn't played anybody yet because we we so we haven't really seen them. But uh, I think this is a Texas year. Texas and Florida where, State are probably if they run the table, they're definitely in. And Florida State's fucking good too. Florida State is nuts. Florida State is good as hell. That quarterback is monster. Travis. All right, Jake. What's up to you on the defense? So I just want to point something out. Compared to last year and the last thirty years of offense. The spread offense, uh, the air raid offense for the Badgers is much quicker, correct? It's like night and day difference for us. Mm -hmm. But there is different variations of everything, right? There's a different variation of a 3-4 defense, different variation of a 4-3, different variation of a 3-3-5, which is what the Badgers run now. What I'm trying to get at is there's different variations of the air raid offense. Washington State's offense is fucking quick. Yeah. They throw the ball, they're back on the line and – probably eight to 10 seconds. That is tough to deal with when you're traveling out West, a little jet lag, if you will. That is what I am going to say. A lot of mental errors happen that way because you know, when they're coming at you, they're, they're not just throwing, they're not throwing haymakers. They're not throwing one big punch. They're giving you a bunch of these, right? And it's hard to focus when you're just get consistently getting punched in the face. So that's kind of where I'm going with my point is I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass, new scheme, out West, again, you could tell that this game was important to Washington State. The crowd was into it. They were – the players were playing with so much passion. I it's almost wanted to cheer the, for them a little bit. The coach was animated as hell, too. If – if yeah, the coaches were going nuts on the sideline. If this would have been against, against another team and I was watching Washington State versus somebody else, I would have 100% been cheering for Washington State, which yeah. how much it looked like everybody cared, man. They were they were into it. Um. I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass this week. I do think that the defense does need some work. Um, I would like a like legit lockdown corner, not saying that we don't have that guy on roster that could just become that, but having a guy that can just shut down one side and then a pass rusher that you know is going to go after the quarterback and the quarterback is watching that guy at all times, that changes everything for a defense. Badgers don't have either of those things this year. Like I said, not saying yeah. that they can't get that, but I'm going to give them a pass again. Um, getting redundant, but um, just because of the speed of play, new scheme, first real road game, I mean, a lot of factors to, to kind of put into it, but Badgers only gave up 2.3 yards per rush. That is that is something to hang your hat on, and we always try to look for positives. 2.3 yards per rush for a team that's kind of coming at you, coming at you, a couple broken plays, a quarterback that kind of extends some plays. I mean, really not that bad of a performance in my opinion. Yeah, a couple of bounces, just a couple yeah. of calls, a couple of bounces go yeah. the other way. And how different is this game if they call that safety, right? We tie yeah. the game, we get the ball back. How different is this game yeah. when they have to respond and they're yeah. trying to run a quick offense? You have, When you have to go down, if you're losing and you have to go down, you're not just going to be going click, 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 right? Yeah. And those guys are not used to that. They're used to going click, click, click. Yeah. So that could have changed everything, mm-hmm. could have, should have, would have. We lost. It is what it is. Let's move on to Georgia State, right? And you, Georgia Southern. 
Georgia Southern. You brought up a good point on the rushing defense, too, was the 2.3 yards per carry. For them to have a mobile quarterback and to still only have the 2.3 yards of carry, I do think is a good thing to bring up. That run with Nakia Watson, I think it was Jordan Turner that absolutely clocked him. I think, uh, man, you could hear you could hear the pads. On that TV. was when the Badgers That's had momentum. You get yeah. you can see what this team is gonna be when everything is together, right? Right. The defense flying around, multiple you know DBs on the field, kind of creating havoc for the quarterback. The offense spreading the ball around. If we could just run the ball and consistently get into the other team's backfield, we're going to win a lot of goddamn football games. Yeah. All right, so speaking of football games to win, Mikey, what are you looking for from the Badgers' offense against Georgia Southern on Saturday? I think we should we, – we got to find a way to establish a run. Uh, I think we that's something that we need to – I mean, that is our, our backbone at the end of the day, right? I think we do need to have somewhat of a rebound with that and get the run game going, get Chez going, get Braylon going. Um, you know, get back up to speed with that. Uh, I'm looking, and I'm also looking forward to seeing um, how the O-line rotation, if there is going to be maybe a few more reps for some other guys that haven't necessarily gotten the, the snaps, like a Joe Brunner, like uh, who, who was it? Trey Wedding, he got some snaps actually last week for Joe Huber. Um, so, and then maybe, you know, there's Jake Renfro, is, his name's starting to pop up yep, again. Yeah. So, Maybe on this injury report, it sounds like he's still going to be out maybe this this weekend yet, but I would look for his name to pop up here relatively soon. Maybe they're just going to save him for a Big Ten for when they start Big Ten play, which wouldn't surprise me. But um, offensively, I'm looking – I need we need to see the run game, I think, get it reestablished again. And just look for th- or four other offensive linemen potentially to get uh, some reps. That's what I'm looking for. Jake, what are you looking for for the Badgers' offense? So I hinted at this before, uh, Tyler, you weren't here. But uh, first game, we ran the ball super well. I felt like last week we were more we were more air raid, where we were passing the ball a little bit more. I'm looking for us to establish some balance. Um, these are the building block things that I keep referring to, uh, the, the growing pains that everybody keeps referring to, that we're going to ask you to remain patient. But if you want to get balance – I think Georgia Southern is kind of your opportunity, right? And, by the way, I don't think they're going to have a problem running the ball this week, Mike. That defense is a little light in the ass, man, if you ask me. So, they got they got four guys in their front in their front six that are lighter than Braylon Allen. If we don't run the goddamn ball down their throats, I'm going to lose my shit on Saturday morning. But I'm looking for them to establish balance, keep being consistent on third downs, get Tanner to a rhythm, get these running backs into a rhythm early. I don't really – I'm not a big fan of Braylon on the edge over there because I think he's more of like a, a forward guy. He's not a side-to-side shifty guy. Not that he can't That's be. Nice. But if we're going to give him the damn ball, give him a screen, let him establish it, let him go forward. I'm not not a boundary guy. That's a Malusi play in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I like that you brought it up, that, it, that balance, and not just going to like, we need to go back to running the ball 40 times a game. No, no, no. I, I'm I'm glad you brought the word balance in. That's a that's a good that's a good way to put it. Um, I will say for me for the offense, I like I mentioned this a little bit already. Um, Tanner Mordecai was better on the intermediates. I he just still needs to be just a little bit better still. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think he's making progress in the right direction from game one to game two. So I'm looking for that to continue in game three. 
And the other thing I have this written in my notes in all caps is protect the blind side. Georgia Southern, to Jake's point, they don't have a ton of big guys, but they do have four forced fumbles and three fumble recoveries. They only have one interception, and they've only made two sacks, however. So just make your plays and cover the ball and just protect Tanner Mordecai's blind side so he doesn't have to deal with getting hit from a play he can't seem coming. True. Mikey, what are you looking for from the defense? Oh, man. First and foremost, get a goddamn turnover any way possible. Mm -hmm. It can be a fumble. It can be an interception. I don't care. Please, 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 please get a turnover. We need that. We had one opportunity. I think the one opportunity we had was what that deflection, I think. It went off of two Washington State receivers. I think it was the end of the towards the end of the third or early fourth, but um, that was one opportunity we, we had. Uh, but we need to find a way to get a turnover and get our offense up on, build some momentum, get off to a fast start. I actually meant to say that in the offense, but um, because lately in these first two games, we slow starts i think we could we could all agree on on both sides of the ball but i need to get a turnover i need to get a turnover any way possible and i do want to say one one more thing between so last week between cj gets and daryl peterson they only combined they had three total pressures just those two the two starters uh to get to the quarterback i would love to see i would love to see one of those two guys get a sack or you know multiple whatever it is I want to see better outside linebacker play in that perspective as well. So I will say on your on your subject of those two, um, Georgia Southern's quarterback is not mobile. He's not a mobile guy like Cam Ward, so I do think that opportunity presents itself a little bit better. Um, it'll just be a matter of seeing if, if he's going to get the ball out as quickly as Buffalo's quarterback did. Mm-hmm. Buffalo's quarterback did a very, very good job of getting the ball out of his hands uh, really quickly. But, Jake, what are you looking for from the defense? Uh, just keep creating pressure. Um, I believe that we have to be a little bit more creative with it. Um, Tyler, me and you were watching the game together, uh, kind of in a private stream stream yard and kind of just talking, talking ourselves through it, what we were thinking live. Um, we're not ready to, to live stream a game yet because I'm a psychopath during a football game. Uh, but we're working on it. Tyler is much more calm and collected, (laughs) but we're working on it, but create pressure, man. Um, I don't care if we have to, Blitz a corner. I don't. Why not blitz Hunter Waller? The guy's the guy is yes, a heat seeking missile, right? Yes. Blitz him <laughs> when you bring him down into the box. Yes. Um, blitz blitz him and in Jogmeta. Uh, do do a weak side blitz with both of them. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of ways, and I I don't think that he wants to give too much away in these non conference games. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like we're going a little vanilla on some defensive plays, but. Because he's waiting to break some shit out. Trestle's been been around the horn a couple times, so he knows what he's doing. But just create pressure. The turnovers will come with the pressure. Pressure equals turnovers. So for me from the defense, I need to see better tackling. It's two weeks in a row that it's been a problem at all three levels of the defense. For me, the tackling needs to be better. It's not something I hope to improve. It's It's a need. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned the quarterback not being a mobile guy, but Georgia Southern does spread the ball around, including to the tight end. Now, Georgia Southern is a pretty pass-heavy team. They have 88 passes and 59 runs. 
So I'm going to tie that right into my matchup that I'm watching. And my matchup is the Badgers secondary versus Georgia Southern's pass catchers. They have three guys that have over 12 receptions already. So they spread the ball around. So I'm going to be watching the secondary. That is the matchup that I'm watching. Uh, Mike, what's a matchup that you're watching? Uh, I'm I'm going to watch Jack Nelson specifically, whoever he's against. We need to have him. He's like our anchor on the offensive line. I'm watching to see how he bounces back this week because if, if he puts on another performance like he did last week, you got to start maybe looking, okay, like, do we need to put in Nolan Rucci to light a fire under his butt or what, or what are we doing here? So um, I'm looking to see how Jack Nelson responds. So I'm looking at the left, left tackle position. It's a good pick. Jake, what's the matchup you're watching? So Georgia Southern defense gives up, gives up 344 yards, 145 rush yards. Again, they're a little light in the ass. They have their two outside linebackers weigh 225. Uh, they have one that weighs 235. Their two inside linebackers both weigh in the 220s. They're small. We're going to run the ball on them. I absolutely have no doubt about that. They only give up 199 passing yards. That's not a lot, to be honest with you, yeah. in the age of spread it out, let it fly, you know. So on their defense, they have a redshirt junior, Jalen Denton. They have Manny Wingard. They have Darnell Hickman and Seth Robertson, redshirt junior, sixth year, redshirt senior, redshirt sophomore. These guys have played a ton of games. There mm-hmm. is not a goddamn play they haven't seen. Phil Longo, see if you have some tricks up your sleeves. I'm watching the defensive backfield versus our wide receiver group, which we all love. We have a ton of talent there. I want Phil Longo to go crazy, draw some shit up, and let's let it let's let it fly a little bit, huh? All right, I like that. Um, so we're gonna go to keys to the uh, we're gonna go to keys to the game. Um, Mikey hammered on this already for me. My key to the game is something that Mike hammered, hammered, hammered on, and my key to the game is the Badgers have to win the turnover battle. Uh, Luke Fickle talked about this that that's one of the things that they've wanted, like as been a goal for the team, is to win the turnover battle. Uh, they wanted to win by two. And they are minus five so far in two games. They're minus two and minus three in their first two games so far. So this is another thing like the tackling. This isn't like a, I hope to see this get better. This to me, winning the turnover battle is a have to. It's a must have. Good. So Mikey, what's your key to the game? I mean, I would say like, yeah, let's start there. Right. Because I mean, even going into the fourth quarter, we had two turnovers and we had a chance to win, but that third one, absolute backbreaker. Uh, yeah. with the with the fumble that I still think wasn't a fumble, but here we are. Um, no, we just slowly but surely just, you know, putting both sides of the ball together, putting a complete game together. I mean, you look at last week's special teams, I thought we did a pretty damn good job. Shout out to Nathan Vakos, by the way, too, the kicker. He had some big-time kicks for us, and he kept us in the game. He, he honestly probably could have been in that spot with James Thompson for an underrated performer, too, if it, James yeah. Thompson didn't have a good That's game. Because he hit some big time time kicks to somewhat keep us in the game at the time, but um, special teams had a pretty good day. But no, the, the, I'm looking forward to see can we finally put a complete game together? Whether that's win the turnover battle, battle get a balance off offensively with running and passing, uh, and just you know getting out to a faster start too, and just putting it trying to put it all together against a team like Georgia Southern, which. I mean, quite frankly, they did beat Nebraska at Nebraska last year. If we have some sort of a, 
a resume to like know more about them. So it's not like they're, you know, freaking, I, I don't know, like Wisconsin, Wisconsin stout we're playing now. Right. Um, but <laughs> Alabama I would State say technical college. Yeah, exactly. So um, just looking forward to seeing how close we can be to putting that complete key, complete game together in all phases. Jake, what's your key to the game? So when I was taking my notes and I was looking at the turnovers and I know we had two last week, I I knew one of you was going to bring up turnovers. I knew it. I knew one of you. So I, w- I wanted to go a completely different route. That was a low-hanging fruit. For me, it's win the vertical game. I'm talking about uh, running the ball straight at them with a Braylon Allen. Again, they're small. Run the ball at them. Make them tackle Braylon Allen. Okay? Force that issue. I also want us to throw it deep because Tanner Mordecai has great touch on those deep passes, as you can already tell. Win the vertical game. Stretch this field. I understand the necessity for the jet sweeps and the the smoke screens and the you know the the dives out you know I understand all that that stuff you know stretching them horizontally. I want to stretch the field vertically with the run game and the pass game. So win the vertical game, get pressure on the quarterback. That's how we win. All right, Mikey. Two heads, two score predictions. One from the head, one from the heart. Give us your head score prediction first. Head, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna score the ball. I really, I really think this is gonna be a bounce back week. I'm going to say 38 to 20 Badgers. God, you're so taking the four right from the Packer game. All right, <laughs> Jake, what is your score prediction from the head? Mike, I know you said you think we're gonna score. You don't think we're gonna score like I think we're gonna score. I promise you that. My score prediction from the head is 49-21 Wisconsin Badgers. Sheesh. There we go. There we We're go. scoring the ball this week. I have I have a pretty decent-sized margin of victory, but not quite as many points. I'm going to say 34-14. Okay. 34-14. Okay. All right, Mikey, give us your score prediction from the heart, the more optimistic score prediction. 45-17 to 17 final. We make a Ooh, statement. We need to make pretty, we make a statement going into the big, big Ten play. We're going to Purdue. We're gonna to have to score the ball on them. We're all all guns blazing. 45-17, and we get two turnovers. I, I would love that. Jake, what's your score prediction from the heart? 58 to 20. That's seven touchdowns and three field goals. Sheesh. Hey, <laughs> it, it's time. Uh, it's time. Yeah. The balance is coming. Uh, Mike, mine's pretty close to yours. Mine from the heart is 44-13. Okay. So the last thing I want to say before we sign off for the night is I listened to Luke Fickle in an interview, and he talked about the Washington State loss, that they can use it maybe as like a humbling experience. So they can use this as a as a reason to focus less on the the destination of where they expect to be at the end of the season and use it to focus more on the journey of getting to where they want to go so jake and i have talked about things like this so hearing it from from luke fickle that that's how they're approaching it as a team um i did appreciate that from luke fickle and it's it really he said it became like a humbling experience and i i agree with that as well um and washington state as we've seen is no slouch because they are now ranked but um really just luke fickle remaining very even keel while also expecting more, uh, I think is a, the kind of guy that I would want coaching one of my teams or a, a team that I'd want to play for. So, agreed. 
All righty. We will be back, Jake and myself, on Friday night. We will be with Mike Spofford from Packers.com, and we will be talking about the Packers' week one win over the Bears and their week two matchup against the Falcons. And then we will be back again next Wednesday talking about some more Brewer games and another Badger game. So we will see you guys then. See you, fellas. Have a good night. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Anytime. Later, Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.